0: hey y'all thank you so much for tuning in we are so happy that you are here and we have a quick favor if you have a minute be sure
1: to follow us wherever you are streaming and leave us a little quick review we are so 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 thankful you are part of this community So, welcome to the Willow Talk podcast. If this is your first time here, welcome. Um, welcome, welcome. <laughs> um, my name is Emma.
0: And I am Allie, and we are your hosts. Yes,
1: your podcast hosts. And today, we are shifting. Yes. We're shifting. We are going to introduce mini-sodes. And mini-sodes, that, yeah. yes.
0: So these are going to be shorter snippets. Uh, we're just Emma and I are at a moment with the House of Willows where we recently just did a bit of uh, realignment on our goals and where we're putting our energy, and we just made some decisions where minisodes for our podcast are probably going to be the best
1: choice for us at the moment. Absolutely, and I think it's also going to allow you to hear us more frequently. <laughs> so hopefully, we will shut or shorten rather the duration of these episodes, but have them be airing more frequently. Yeah. So maybe like two a month instead yeah. of one a month. I'm on our Will Talk Wednesdays.
0: And I'm just now realizing how this announcement really kind of ties into what we we wanted to talk about today, which was changes in like your business, like pretty decent massive changes that you've made like along the way, whether it was like, you know, strategically your business or like the way your art has evolved. Yes. And if that was a conscious choice, if it just kind of happened naturally. Yes. Um, and so I think what a little segue.
1: That was honestly probably the first cleanest segue.
0: Yeah, and we didn't plan
1: it. And we didn't plan it. I know. So I'm sure everyone listening has experiences before we as artists constantly need to adapt Mm -hmm.
0: and we've talked about that before like you constantly need to adapt life doesn't stay the same Mm -mm. and your goals don't stay the same so your your strategy for achieving your goals can't stay the same if Mm -mm. you're not like striving for the same goals you were six months ago or six years ago right
1: which means I think there's gonna be a lot of hard moments where you might get a little uncomfortable You might feel a little scared, you might feel nervous, you might feel excited. Mm -hmm. So I think today what our episode is really going to be encompassing is just how Allie and I personally through our own works of art and medium have gone through that and even a little bit with the House of Willows because Mm -hmm. that's what we are, that's why you're here. So, for y'all who didn't know, um, we also held our first pop-up. We did. Our expo in March, at the end of March. And it was so absolutely fucking wonderful.
0: It was so fulfilling, honestly, I think, for me. Uh, it was, trust me, it was stressful. We were overwhelmed. We had never done this before. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the end of it, I just felt so fulfilled from it. I was so absolutely. on top of the world from Absolutely, just meeting everyone in person, mm-hmm. hearing how much fun they had and the benefits that they took from it, which were so much more than just I sold product.
1: Yes, absolutely, absolutely. And again, kind of like what we were just saying, when we first started the House of Willows, We didn't really, like, pop-ups weren't the first things that popped up into our head.
0: No, absolutely not. Right?
1: And so I think, what at least we were kind of thinking as we were setting up and as the event went on, we were actually looking to the artists, our vendors, who had done pop-ups before. And... Just knowing too that that is again what the House of Willows is. It's not the Allie and Emma show where it's like we're the experts of everything and we're the ones who teach you everything. No, it's more so this community, this connective space with so many other individuals, like-minded individuals, artists in different mediums to come to the same place and grow and support each other. Mm -hmm. And I think that is exactly what Our first pop-up was like
0: yeah it was so good and there were just a couple things I don't know about you but for me as an individual artist like I took away a couple different learnings for myself oh absolutely and it was a pretty big solidifier for me in kind of this don't don't break what ain't broken model yes. of me figuring out what kind of products I want to make this summer and ramp up on this summer. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause that's obviously, you know, my biggest season or yeah. as for mo- uh, for many artists, like summer is a very big season for people to kind of be buying or going to uh, be vending. And it was just this big light bulb moment for me where I was like, why people want bags? Yeah. People want bags. And I don't feel like I need to be doing this and that and all these little things anymore because I'm seeing kind of what my audience is like really resonating with. Right. So it was a big moment where I'm like, wow, I could scale back on a lot of different products that I was like, oh, I need to make this and that and that mm-hmm. to try and keep up with other fiber artists who are putting out a lot of different varieties. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, No. We're focusing on this. This is what, give the people what they want.
1: (laughs) Well, again, I was going to ask too, Allie, like when you first started Lavender and Lilac, what did you really see yourself curating and ultimately selling?
0: Yeah, so I think when I first started um, lavender and lilac, or when I first started macrame or whatever, and I was starting to think about what, 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 who was I as an artist? Who did I want to be? What did that look like? Mm-hmm. And I had it in my head that I had to be this big tapestry custom piece like that that was success i wasn't an artist if i wasn't doing that mm. and if i was doing all of these smaller accessory type pieces that it wasn't art that was a product like if, mm. that was retail right. that wasn't art ah. uh, and so i thought if i was ever going to sustain myself as an artist that was what I had to create. The tapestry, the tapestry work, and it, I also equated it to size. Like if it wasn't a massive piece, then I couldn't charge X Y Z mm. for it. As opposed to
1: the quality of the work. That is very interesting, yeah. and I think again it goes into kind of like where we come from as artists and what our first ideas are, right? Because a lot of times. Again, as we just mentioned, like, you stated it perfectly, Ali, in the beginning of this episode where it's like, we, what do we think of when we first start our artist journey? Right? And it can be such an overwhelming time to decide what's my brand? What's, what am I doing? Why am I doing it? What's my mission? What am I selling? What am I making? What am I using? And it's just, again, an ever evolving process. And I think, again, what specifically going into your work right now, as you saw with the bags, would you say to the joy in making those, right? Because I do think there's something to say, like, we know, like, listening to our audience and giving the people what they want is one thing. And then there could be something else where, like, I'm kind of over this. And I don't actually don't know if I want to be making those things anymore, or I don't know if I... Necessarily want to be using this material, or you know, a lot of people love this style, however, it takes a really long time to make, and I just don't have the time for that right now during this season. So I'm gonna pause on it. So, where did it kind of take you when you recognize after the pop up like, wow, this was pretty successful, and this felt really good?
0: I would say actually, there I I find a lot of joy in making my bags and I think it is because I take a lot of pride in having something that is f- a functional yes. piece of art yes. that someone can bring into the world and that yes. they are proud to be wearing. And then when people text me and they're on vacation and they're they're like, hey if you get a new follower, I yes. just found this <laughs> this woman asked where my bag was from.
1: Oh, that is so awesome. And yeah, and
0: I think that actually has been not saying someone is like, "Oh, thank you so much for this custom piece. It's going to go in my bedroom. It's going right. to go. That feels amazing and I love ha- knowing that it's going to be in their home. But I absolutely adore when people love my bags. Right. I I think that's probably been one of the elements of I I take so much pride in people loving my bags.
1: Absolutely. And I think again it's just different. Just mm-hmm. like you mentioned, like someone having a wonderful massive piece of your artwork in their home is awesome and having bags is also awesome like it's a piece of art that is traveling through the world that people it's literally like people are just like your own little brand like you know like people are walking around with a custom-made bag or a handmade bag by Allie McDevitt and so when they look at that and they're like oh this was actually handmade by someone in Boston, Portsmouth area, people are going to be like, wait, that's so awesome. Right. And so I think, again, it goes back to this recognition of, is this enough? And I think through your pieces and the people you've sold to, it's kind of, it's kind of said volumes to that.
0: Yeah. I would say recently in the last, um, Honestly, probably two months or so. I felt the most comfortable in having having the expectation going into the summer that I will have the smallest number of products available for sale. But I feel so much more relieved. Mm. I have I do not have as much stress as I have in like in years past because I just know this is what I this is what I enjoy creating. This is what I know people would be interested in, and it doesn't feel Like, I have to pick one over the other, uh, massive volume of inventory versus custom pieces, massive. I just, we're going to just go with the flow on it. And I don't need it doesn't need to be black or white, but it's, this is a very different look to my store Mm -hmm. than what I expected my artistic journey and what it would look like for me to be a fiber artist. Right five six seven years ago right
1: so different absolutely yeah and I think it kind of goes along into this idea of there could be another fiber artist out there doing those massive pieces and being successful and that doesn't mean that if you're not making those massive pieces that means you're not successful and I think again that goes along with any form of Of medium you're in you know I think about it all the time like wedding photography is huge but it's also just super different and I've actually known a lot of photographers who have started in the wedding industry and have cut back because they're like I actually decided that I don't want to do this and it's too much time and it's too much stress for me and it's just too much. And I would rather focus on these smaller, more frequent opportunities to make art with other people. And so for me personally, that has been a lot, like I was thinking about it too, as we were getting ready for this episode, just kind of reflecting of what does my artwork look like? And what do people know me for? And how did I get there? And how did that start? So again, like looking back at 2021, I did a lot of individual work like a lot of solo portraits a lot of solo businesses entrepreneurs solo boudoir style shoots and i think every single one that i've done this far in 2022 has been pairs it's been couples really and right yeah it's it is and it's just been a shift like i think i started doing a little bit of couple esque engagement shoots and then people started picking up of like oh right because again if someone looks at your art and they don't see something that's there personally I feel like they might be wary to ask like oh
0: if they don't see an example exactly exactly
1: so for example, I do a lot of boudoir many probably think of boudoir when they think of my photography. I just did my first couples boudoir, like, a couple months ago. And when I was there, the client was like, oh, is this the first one you've done? And I was like, yeah, it is. And Did that feel daunting? Oh, my gosh, yeah. I was like, fuck. (laughs) I'm like, shit. Honestly, when she had inquired about it, I was kind of like, so is this my brand yeah well not even is this my brand honestly knowing me what do you think it was
0: something about pricing pricing can i do this
1: oh yeah. it was like classic like fuck this person's asking me and can i do this and again if you're listening like
0: no one knows you're not the expert other than you
1: well right
0: and again and it's
1: knowing too that like there's always going to be a time and place for these moments and I think the biggest thing is communication with that and so communication along with like your awareness of how ready you are to do something new right so for example I've done very small weddings in the past if someone Someone did come up to me, actually. I am shooting a larger wedding, not this upcoming October, but October 2023. And I communicated with them. They had asked, like, hey, have you ever done this? I was like, honestly, I've only done small weddings before. And again, I think it's that staying honest, staying clear, staying communicative. And I had done their engagement shoot. And they also, the fact that I did their engagement shoot and they asked me if I could do their wedding meant that, I was doing something they saw that they really wanted and connected with and i think it's hard because that is usually where i feel as though we fault ourselves as artists of like well shit, i've never done this before but that doesn't mean we can't do it
0: the only way you're going to get experience is to do it exactly i do have a question so when you were asked about this wedding was this almost did you feel like as an artist, as a professional owner of Emma Darpino Photography, I want to get into weddings, or I want to explore it, or did you feel a little bit of a sense of obligation because they were a previous client, mm-hmm. or all of that? That's a super awesome question.
1: So again, I've done very small weddings in the past. I think it has to do with like that intimacy, that connectedness of being small knit with them. However, I do know that this wedding is going to be larger. So I took that into consideration and I think again, it's not something that I do. You're not going to, going to look on my website or my page and see a thousand weddings. I'm not booked, I'm not or any of that. And I think it has to say too that with the art, it's not necessarily, are we able to create the art? There's a lot of other questions we have to be asking ourselves. Do I have time for this? Do I have the ability to see this through? Like, again, I could be shooting, but a wedding is very different than a two-hour shoot. That's like an eight-hour day, Mm -hmm. right? Or a lot of times with wedding photography, you are really like the minute man of, kind of like conducting people like, Hey, all right, time. We got to go. Like this isn't, it's kind of, it's not just, Hey, I'm the photographer and I'm just going to go around and click. I'm going to cl- just look at the-
0: whatever I can find. No, yeah. it's
1: like, Hey, no, come on. Like we're going to do bridesmaids. And now we're going to do groomsmen and then we're going to do other bridesmaids or, all right, where's the family? Where's you? Like there's a lot of conducting with that. And so something that I did offer this couple that I think would be helpful is, getting a second shooter. So getting another photographer to help me. Um, And this could also look like another opportunity for someone who hasn't done a lot of weddings, right? So I think again, to say, would would I agree to just do any wedding right off the bat? Probably not, especially if they haven't worked with me before. But again, I think that also comes from our portfolio, right? So again, if someone has seen your custom pieces, Allie, And it's like, I want a custom piece made by you. There's a risk in that, but I also think that's where contracts come in. So if you're an artist and you don't have a contract, maybe this is your reminder to look into those. Always, because that is where your ass falls on the line of like, hey, this is like all of my contracts is like photography discretion. Like you are hiring me knowing my style for specific commission work, because in photography, for portraits, it's commission work. You are not, none of my edits and none of my poses and none of my boudoir, none of my engagement, none of my couples, none of my sessions are exactly the same. And that's the beauty in it though, is it not? Is it not to have like this totally different piece of artwork that is yours? Because if not, then just go to Macy's. (laughs) like go get your photos done at like jc penny's i
0: don't know but it is i mean there has to be some like you have to level set the expectations on it because everything is going to be different absolutely but at the I, i i will say i think specifically in photography and having had multiple friends looking for wedding photographers and i and i distinctly i think people see a good photographer and they don't necessarily make the conscious like distinguishment distinguishment they don't distinguish (laughs) (laughs) between the skill of the artist and their personal aesthetics so they see emma's a fantastic photographer and then they come to you and they're like can you do bright blues cape cod s and you're no thank you for appreciating the skill of my work yes but that's not right that's not what i provide right so i can direct you to other artists in which that is their aesthetic, but you can't really come in and like ask someone to
1: change their work exactly. at its core. Exactly. And I think that's, what's important for artists to know too, is that when you're making your work, it's gotta be work that resonates with you and with others. But again, it, it can't just be doing work for other people Because you're just going to burn yourself out, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's not going to be fun, excitement, you know, like, it's not going to fill your cup, right? Because it's just more of like this, I don't want to call it a job, but like, it becomes like chore-like to be like, I constantly have to be pushing out this content that I don't necessarily vibe with, but I know it's going to sell.
0: And I think it's finding as we, you know, we both made pretty drastic changes in what we provide and what our, our looks like and different. And they're ultimately business decisions for right. us because these are monetized channels for Absolutely. us. But it's understanding, and I think this happens, you know, as you grow and you mature in your work or whatever. But it's understanding the difference of I am changing for me. Like I'm changing my work. I'm making these decisions because this is where I'm at, at this present moment, as opposed to adapting. I'm making this change because X, Y, Z, it'll sell more. And it, it has to be an internal decision. It has to be for you because it's not sustainable. Like you were saying in any other form.
1: Absolutely. And that is the biggest takeaway moment of just really, you know, if you're listening to this episode, just ask yourself, you know, what is the current work I'm doing? You know, or what are the what? If, what's the materials or the equipment that I'm using? Or, you know, where am I doing it? Or where am I finding my inspiration? And how does it feel? Have I been doing this for X amount of years or months? And like checking in to kind of be like, does this still vibe with me? Right? Because I think that goes along with the faults of going through the motions which can be so easy to fall into Mm -hmm. and check in and be like am I being purposeful with my art and if if that's the case then if you're not then again like you said diving deeper like internally to just kind of pause and ask yourself why I think is going to be Opening a lot more doors, yeah. And
0: just kind of one final note I would throw in there is I think at least for you know in my experience there was a big when I was first deciding how I wanted to structure my business and what I wanted to sell it was heavily driven by what would sell the most what would it was driven by monetization and all of that and then the biggest thing I've learned recently um, would be ultimately it's more cost efficient to focus on the things that you enjoy producing. The thing, typically, what you enjoy producing is probably going to sell the best. Absolutely, because there's something I don't. The it,
1: vibe, it, it the feels magical. Feel it. Like it's in
0: the artwork, it's yes. in there. It's gonna resonate. So, I think ultimately it's gonna be more cost efficient anyway. Absolutely. To focus on the things that bring you the most joy.
1: I absolutely agree. Awesome. Well, I
0: guess maybe we'll see you in two weeks. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Thanks for thanks for checking in and listening to our first mini-sode. Personally, it's feeling really good. I feel, like, so nice that we were able to kind of have this short but, like, really effective and purposeful conversation about what Allie and I are kind of up to right now and also what the House of Willows is up to. Mm-hmm. With that said, there's a lot of new stuff coming, and you might hear it here first who knows we haven't decided yet. we haven't decided but we'll keep you in the loop
0: all right